Welcome to the Unlocking Unlimited Potential Stories podcast. My name is Dr. Brandon Beck, and I am so excited for you to be here to join us today. This podcast was originally a live show that was aired across several different social media platforms. The goal of this show is to amplify the stories of amazing people, which serve as inspiration for your journey. Your story matters. It tells us who you are and who you want to be. Enjoy this opportunity to hear from these innovative thought leaders as they discuss what it means to unlock unlimited potential. If you are looking for an opportunity to connect further with me after this show, please visit brandonbeckedu.com to learn more about my speaking, coaching, consulting, and other offerings that are designed to help you and your organization find greater results in your journey. Welcome to the Unlocking Unlimited Potential Stories show. So excited to be here with you all. Season two kicking off. We got two awesome people this week. We just finished off with Ken Williams, and now we have this guy right here, Tom Murray. How are you doing, Tom? I'm doing great, but I got to say, like, made season two. All right, I'm in, but I got to follow Ken Williams because Ken Williams is my man, and he is a tough guy to follow. I got to tell you that. That's he all. is. Thank you for having me on. It's an honor to be here, and I'm thanks. Uh, looking forward to hanging out. No problem. Yeah, Ken was a great guest, but I'm sure you can. I'm sure you can handle it. We're looking forward to it. Well, we're so, both New York Giants fans, and uh, we enjoy <laughs> hanging out and giving each other a rest. So, so Ken, if you're watching this, my episode's going to be better than yours. So that's all I got to say. He's one of here. He's a good man. Good man. Absolutely, trying to bring in as many people as we can because everybody's story matters, and we're really looking forward to diving into your story. We know that you are, I mean, I can go down the list. You're an education thought leader of the year, educational policy person of the year, a leader of the year, a global and national ed tech. I mean, there is just award after award. And I know that that's just barely touching the tip of the iceberg in, in your career. But just tell us a little bit about yourself for some of our listeners who may not know you. And I'm pretty sure that's very few people that are out there. I appreciate the shout, but the first thing that I'll say is, and honestly, like none of that stuff matters when I share really why I do what I do and the lens that I do. And I think about first and foremost, I'm a dad. I'm a dad to a precious little girl who's in fifth grade, about to go to middle school, which scares the heck out of me, even as a former middle school principal, and a little boy who's in first grade. And um, it's the lens in which I try and see the world, right? Like we all have our own lens and I love your premise on story and the power of story. And I love to get into like the hidden stories within in those pieces. But to introduce kind of my own story, Tom Murray here grew up in, in New York and wanted to be an educator for a long time. Why? Because of the impact of educators that they had on me. And, you know, if I were to share, there's so many different aspects that I would share in terms of story, but I'll do it this way. Let me tell you about a story on my end of the power of a mentor. I think back to being 21 years old, fresh out of college, about to teach fourth grade, having like a, any clue as to what I was about to get myself into. 
And I will tell you, I had, you know, when I look at it, probably a little bit of an ego, a little bit of pride of like, I know how to do this stuff. And then day one came and I closed my door for the very first time. And I will tell you, I was a little bit scared out of my mind. And I am so grateful that I had a mentor that was willing to call me out man to man. And when my mindset was off multiple times that first year, like when I was the roadblock, when I was the negativity, when I was the guy complaining in a faculty room, pulled me aside and was like, you know what, Tom, we don't do that here. And as a brand new teacher, I'm going to love you. And as your mentor, I'm going to love you and care about you. But like, we don't do that. And maybe it's your lens that you need to look through a little bit differently. And so I'd say the power of story, my own story is I've learned a lot with other people. And just like today, being connected on social media, being connected, some of my best friends truly around the world have very different lenses than me, very different experiences than me. And I think really part of my story is being able to grow through the impact and influence of other people. You know, I started being a teacher because I wanted to impact and influence kids and, and be able to support their world. But part of my story is allowing that kind of vulnerability and recognizing like, hey, everything that you just listed, any book that I, I don't have all the answers. There's been a lot of times I don't know what to do, but let's try and figure it out. Do we have the vulnerability and the humility to be able to do that? But a special thanks to all the people that have influenced my life along the way. Yeah. And, you know, I can personally say you've influenced my life as well in your career. And I know there's many others out there as well. And I think it's important. There's a lot of people that listen to this show that are kind of in that place of, going from one place to another in their career. And clearly you've been, you've been many different places in your career. So talk a little bit about how you went from that teacher position to where you are now. Sure. So yeah, I started out in elementary, taught fourth grade for a number of years. And I uh, was always in, and I love the tech side of things. So an opportunity became available at our middle school. And I went and I taught uh, related arts and, and some computer technology, had a lab, kind of that traditional setting going back 20 years ago now. Um, then I had a principal one day come to me, my principal in the building and said, you know, Tom, he said, I, I know you just finished your, your second master's degree, but I'm going to challenge you. He said, I, I've got about three years left and I would love to see you running this building someday. And he challenged me and I went home being like, I don't know about that. I was only 26 years old at the time and um, ended up challenging to say, you know what, I, I can go finish that. And if not, you know, that some extra courses around leadership and culture and those things couldn't help. And about a year and a half later, the assistant principal of that building left and he pulled me in and said, well, you want to be this teacher on special assignment, kind of quasi administrative, see if you want the job, which led to my first uh, administrative experience at the secondary level. Did that for a few years, ended up being an elementary principal after that, did that for a number of years before my superintendent pulled me in and said, hey, we'd love for you to run this over at district office. So between going from elementary teacher to middle school teacher to a uh, secondary principal to, ele to, to elementary principal over to district office, like I obviously couldn't keep a job. So now I work out of Washington, D.C., like totally makes sense now. Right. So about six years ago or so, got recruited to go to, um, to Washington, D.C., where I work for the Alliance for Excellent Education, um, bipartisan nonprofit group. We don't sell anything out of there. It's also the home for Future Ready Schools, which started about six months after I went down to Washington, D.C. to do that. Um, but I'm also really blessed to be able to work with districts in a lot of other uh, different ways. Just got off just a few minutes ago with the district in Texas, on a, with a few other districts earlier today, um, speaking, being an author, those kinds of things. I just have a passion for helping people where so many people has helped me along the way. And so having the privilege to be able to do so many events, connect with so many districts and their leadership teams, uh, run those retreats and convocations and those kinds of things as well. Um, 
the bottom line is educators are some of the greatest people in the world, some of the most hardworking, empathetic, creative, dynamic people on the planet. So anytime I get to be with them side by side, it's really an honor to be able to step side by side with those people that go to bed worried about other people's children, those people that just don't stop in the name of just loving hard and loving other kids. And so um, I, I'm fortunate to say I'm one of those people that I, I love what I do. I love what I do. And that's awesome. And your movement throughout your career has led you on a, a really amazing and an impactful journey. And just you're your extending your reach of the amount of people that you're able to, to influence. And I think that that's just an amazing part of it all. And I think, you know, you're sitting there saying, you know, that I'm, I found my why and this is my why. And, and, you know, there's many different parts in your story along the way. Um, and I think it's important. I think it's important to share your story. I know your your most recent book, Authentic, um, Personal and Authentic, I should call it actually, um, Personal and Authentic, that came out almost, how many years old is that book now? It came out two months before the pandemic. So hey, if you're interested in being an author out there, here's a piece of advice. Like, don't launch a book 60 days before a global pandemic hits, right? No, in all seriousness, it's been an honor to be able to see how districts have used it throughout the pandemic um, to connect because it's a very humanistic, people-focused, culture-focused, human side of the work. Um, that's the focus. And so I have a lot of people actually share like, man, you you wrote that during the pandemic, right? And I'm like, no, 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 it was actually before the pandemic because a lot of the themes and things that I talk about around mindset and failing forward and fear and adversity, like just happened to happen months later. And so in looking at that, um, it's been quite a journey on that as well. So do you think personal and authentic post-pandemic is different is post-pandemic is different or is it you're saying that these ideas and your philosophies and your thoughts they still carry on no matter what because you're mostly speaking from a mindset lens in some ways yeah so i would say i guess it's kind of funny as an author to have to say it because i want to say like i feel like it's even more meaningful than it was and it's kind of like well of course he's the author of course he's going to say that but let me explain why I really wrote Personal and Authentic to get us back to the heart of why we do what we do. Because I think when we look back, like we've been so data, 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 and data is a part of the story. It is. But data without understanding the story, and we can make really bad decisions for kids if we're not careful. And so when we took a look. I really wanted to bring people back to like, why do we really do this? How do we make sure that we just love on kids and like teach hard, but like love them harder, right? And so focusing it back to that kind of, that again, like this idea around whole child is not remotely a new concept by any means. But I think we got so far along the way about being like, you know, every data team meeting, which again are important. I'm not knocking them, but we've got to be really, really careful. And I think No Child Left Behind really pushed us to think about like, you know, when, when kids are walking through our hallways, are we seeing data points and test scores? Are we seeing the world of uh, unlimited potential that's in each one of those kids as they walk down that hallway, right? And so really bringing that, that out in Personal and Authentic. And I think some of the themes when I wrote about them pre-pandemic, to me, I don't think it, the, the meaning of them changes. I think they've been amplified in importance. For instance, I talk a lot about equity. Ken Shelton, one of my closest friends, uh, wrote the equity section with me. And part of the reason that I share that is, let's face it, like March 13th of last year, districts started to say like, oh, shoot, which kids don't have connectivity at home? 
but as lovingly as I can, like that also mattered on March 12th. And a lot of districts didn't seem to care about it prior to that. So things like equity have now been become front and center, which is a really, really good thing. But let's be real, like COVID didn't create equity issues. It amplified those that have always existed. So that's one thing we wrote pre-pandemic highlighting the amount of and the percentages of black and Latino students that did not have internet access at home. And then a few months later, districts saying like, what are we gonna do about it? We gotta figure this out. And I don't see that in any sort of negative or condescending way, but that's just the reality related to that. And so when we look at those pieces, we look at like that leadership, that culture setting the tone and that foundation, that's always been the case, but at a time where fear and anxiety and, and all those things on the outside of our walls are so heightened, it becomes even that much more important. When I talk about self-care, when I talk about building trust in the middle of a pandemic, if we're not building trust with our families and trust with our people, if we're not taking care of ourselves, like all that stuff was important two years ago, but I think it's even more imperative right now. And so when I look at some of those areas, the teaching strategy stuff, like, yeah, there is parts when you look at it, when you look at it remotely, it's got to look a little bit different for sure. But I think the core of the book, going back to our why, going back to relationships, going back to loving on kids, I think that has become even more amplified. You know, when you look back to that March 13 months ago, and by the way, if you're listening as an educator, working in a school, as a principal, as a teacher, whatever your role might be, let's also celebrate how far you've come, the amazing work that you've done and how you shifted things so many times. If you're a principal watching this, you're like on schedule 47B hybrid partially today, right? And like celebrate, you're still standing. You're still moving forward and things that you worried about so much a year ago or back in August when you went to kick off this year, there's been so many of those things that you haven't thought about in a few months because you've worked through them and you've overcome them. And so to all those watching that are working in schools every single day, first and foremost, thank you for the work that you do. You truly are life changers and game changers with that. And when I look at personal and authentic, that last piece related to that is I wanted people to also be inspired. I wanted them putting down that book and not picking it up for some sort of book study being like, now I have to, picking it up to look at it and say like, I really want to. And I want them putting it down for the last time really looking at it and wanting to run through walls for kids, wanting to look at it and say, you know what, with that situation with I'm dealing with in my classroom, maybe I need to look in the mirror and just look out how I'm handling it. And maybe my mindset needs to shift a little bit or look at that scenario as a principal and how they're working with that teacher and maybe refocus on the relationship piece first to build some of that trust so that some of that shift that they're looking for can take place. And so I really, I wrote it. I think it's more important now than it was even then just related to all those things because fear and anxiety, which are so real, they just amplify everything in our world right now. Wow. There is so much to respond to on that. My my head, my computer's not shaking. It is my head, my head is just bopping up and down. I've not, my neck hurts from, from saying yes, yes, yes. No, I, and I totally appreciate so many of the things that you said in there because, you know, relationships and mental health and equity, they were there always. And the fact that they were amplified and that schools are now looking at the pandemic as a time to say, hey, maybe we can really change the way things have been for the past 20 years in our schools. Maybe we can look forward and really put a focus in these areas. Maybe you can, maybe, you know, maybe it's not so much about necessarily having the scripted curriculum. Maybe we can, we can lead from the heart a little bit. And maybe we can, as educators, we can really put the focus back into the simplicity of relationships, figuring out your students, because 
we have to learn what what's inside of them to keep them going. And if we don't know that, like you said, if we don't know those stories, then how are we able to help any of our students if we don't know what's going on in their heads, if we don't know what's going on in their hearts? And I totally respect that. And I think that that to me is like one of the greatest things that has came out of the pandemic as an educator. And like you said, man, administrators, God bless you. This has been a wild ride. I'm so proud that you've made it, we've made it to where we are and we're going to keep going. And I'm still sure there's going to be a million changes, but everything you're saying totally resonates with me. Yeah. You know, I, when I think back to the, throughout the whole pandemic piece and just have been working with educators and leaders nonstop virtually every day in some capacity, I look back and I think another key to all that, you know, if we think back to March of 2020 and we think back, I was standing in Wyoming working with a district that Friday afternoon that we all talk about. And it was the first time ever somebody came over and they're like, Hey, do you mind wrapping up early? Because we've got to inform our teachers that we're not coming back on Monday, right? Like we all can picture it was that moment that we will all remember for a long period of time. And I want to think back to like what happened that following week. I got to connect with so many superintendents and principals around the country. And personally, like they were on the ground level dealing with it. I wasn't. So I was texting as many people just like, hey, praying for you, my brother, hoping you're doing okay. You checking in, just doing okay. Because I recognized like when you look back at those few moments of time, people weren't concerned about the math, the math benchmark the following Tuesday. They weren't worried about the spelling test on Thursday. They were looking like which of our kids need to be fed? Which of our kids are we fearful may not be safe? Which of our kids don't have connectivity? So we're going to call to make sure that they have what they need. Like we overnight reprioritized so many things in education. Now, I will say like many people have kept that the main focus. Many leaders have always continued in that priority, but those things came front and center. And I, I'll never use the phrase that like the silver lining in the pandemic, because I recognize if you're somebody that's lost a family member, lost a loved one, whatever the case might be, it's hard to see silver linings in something that took away a life of somebody that you care about because that's very, very real. But the pandemic has helped us to recenter on certain things, refocus on certain things and priorities that, like I said, like the equity, like the relationships, like the culture, like also looking at learning, being like, you know what, like maybe we can do this differently. Because here's the thing, you know, I was in meetings this morning in DC and there's this whole conversation around learning loss and this whole, con that's the phrase they're using. And there's a whole conversation, all these things. And, and the flip side is like, do you recognize the brilliance that has happened when people have done things differently, when buildings have connected with families in different ways, virtual game nights, parents are connecting on Zoom, and all of a sudden we've got higher rates with connections with parents, higher the PTO meetings are better well attended. Or we look and we say, well, you know what? We did a lot of great things as teachers in the classrooms that were newer, that were different. Was everything ideal? Nope, of course not. But as we get back to face-to-face, -to -face, guess what we now have? We have these new tools, these new ways, these new ideas, a lot of these recordings that we might be able to reuse, whatever it might be, that we need to celebrate those things because this was not a lost year. Like, go tell a third grade teacher that this was just a totally lost year who hasn't slept, who's been working like three jobs, doing it in person and remote simultaneously, and I hope they slap you across the face. I say that lovingly, but you hear what I'm saying, right? Because you know what? Like educators have always worked insanely hard. This year, they have risen to the challenge time and time and 
time again. And we can't lose sight of that. Back to the personal and authentic piece. The other hope that I have that I think relates to what you were just saying there. You know, I made a commitment a number of years ago as I started, as the stages started to get bigger and, and I got the opportunity. It's truly a privilege to be able to, anytime somebody's going to devote their time to listen to what I have to say, I've got to recognize their time is valuable. Their time, they've got a lot on their plate. So you better make it worthwhile and worth what they're saying. I made a commitment a number of years ago as, as the keynotes and those kinds of things and workshops started to come through and more and more and more that I will never stand on a stage. I will never author a book and in it tell you how well I did something. And so I'm not going to in personal authentic ever. You will never read like, look, this is how well Tom Murray did it. Just look at the way Tom Murray did it. Because to me, when I'm in a crowd or I'm reading a book like that, it makes me want to vomit, right? Because you start making all the excuses. Well, if I had that PTO, I could do it. If I had a superintendent like that, we could do it. If I was a suburban district or an urban district or a rural, I could do that too. Like you make every excuse why you can't. So here's the flip side and why I say that. I'm openly vulnerable. What you do read in Personal and Authentic is times that I messed it up, times where my mindset was off, times where as a principal, I stood in front of my, my group and be like, I screwed this up and I'm sorry. And I recognize that I'm the biggest barrier here in, in doing that. And I, to me, modeling vulnerability is so key because the higher up I went from you know teacher to principal to district office, that that feeling of like the higher up you go, the more you need to make sure you look like you've got it all in charge, all in line. Like we're sitting at a board meeting. We've got this. Here's our plan. We've got it all together. I want people to be vulnerable. And for me, I need to model that. And so modeling those stories where I needed to shift my mindset was so important. And I wanted people to look at it as a principal. I get to work with hundreds of superintendents in a given year as a superintendent to say, you know what, like let your guard down a little bit. And it's okay as a superintendent to say to your principals, you know what, my friends, like I messed up that decision and I'm going to own it. And we're going to go this way because when we're vulnerable to our principals, that's going to give them that permission per se, as a principal to stand in front of their staff to say, you know, what, guys, like I totally made the wrong call here and it did not go as planned. And I'm sorry about that. And we're going to get feedback and we're going to get input, but I'm going to own that decision as opposed to pulling the finger. Because then when we flip that again, then that shows our teachers in our classrooms, look, things are not going to go your way. Things are going to happen because our teachers know that, which then in turn, when I work with teachers to that next level, here's the thing. Like if, if our students look at us as teachers, as this perfect person that knows it all, that can write the standards backwards, that never makes mistakes, they can't relate to you. As lovingly as I can say that, they can't relate to you because they have no idea what that feels like. Just like the teacher that looks at the principal as this perfect person that rules by fear and never makes mistakes. They can't relate to you just as the principal look at the superintendent that's unapproachable, can't relate, right? And so how do we bring it back down to and boil it down to just being real and just keeping it real? I have the privilege on a stage. I can say anything I want. Doesn't mean it's right. I can write pretty much anything I want. Doesn't mean it's right. But when I'm real, when I'm vulnerable, what I find is people let their own guards down. They let the breath out a little bit and then they can do the same. And so my encouragement to teachers, when you're in that front of a classroom and you're like, here we go. All right, log on the Chromebooks and the Wi-Fi goes down. That's a great moment. It might not feel like it at that point in time, but it's a great moment to pause, to laugh, to smile and be like, as 12th graders, you know that feeling? Like when you had it all set up and it doesn't go your way, like that's kind of like life, right? And I think when we look in an era of social media and I use social media so heavily, it's really a highlight reel, right? Like how many times do you log on Facebook and people are like, 
greatest, like, or let's phrase the other side. Like you never see like worst family trip ever. Here's the 47th. It's all the highlight reel, right? And so when you look at that, let's just keep it real. And that vulnerability makes us approachable, right? So if we're going to unlock the stories of people, we need to be vulnerable enough to share our own. Yes. And challenges are opportunities for growth. So many things you said in there that are so important. And also the fact that some people think that to be a leader, that they have to get everything right, that they have to know how to do everything. And, you know, the pandemic, once again, was a perfect example of nobody knowing how to do anything and everybody just kind of working together to figure it out. And that most important point that you say there is we have to give ourselves gr grace. Yeah. We have to give ourselves that credit. We have to celebrate the, the small wins, the big wins. And we have to return to the moment when we're with our students or when we're with our staff, where we are taking the time to really take, to check in on each other. Yeah, and some, some of the pieces behind that. Yeah. One of the things that I would say to that, you know, it, it was really eye-opening to me working so closely with superintendents. It was really eye-opening to me early in the pandemic. I was in this meeting with about 10 superintendents and we were trying to problem solve some things. And I was trying to get some feedback. We were working on uh, the some of the initial uh, bailout packages to support education. We were trying to get feedback to Congress on certain things and to hear a, a literal superintendent of the year, like somebody that's been recognized as like the best superintendent in the country that year. And I know awards don't mean that, but like super intent of the year literally was like, I have no idea how to handle this. That speaks volumes to here's some of the best of the best being like, I'm not sure, but you know what they did? They worked with nine or 10 of their colleagues in their region and throughout the country being like, how can we figure this out? That goes to one of the biggest celebrations in my opinion over this past year is let's celebrate the amount that our teachers and that our principals have collaborated at levels that have never been seen before. I know folks have always collaborated in different ways or maybe with your grade level, but man, the way people have worked together and had each other's back throughout the pandemic really, really should be exemplified. There's, there's so many things to celebrate there. Amen to all of that, because I truly appreciate that statement. One thing we do on this show is we celebrate others. We celebrate and dedicate each episode to someone who's out there unlocking unlimited potential in all whom they serve. And I know this guy is connected to you. He's going to pop up on the screen real quick. There he is. Special shout out to my man, Inky Johnson. He is a former college football player at the University of Tennessee. If you haven't checked out this guy, he was injured in a tackle that completely paralyzed his right arm. And that is only one small part of his story. But if you follow Inky, you will see that he turned in such an amazing, inspirational person out of that event. And I know you have a lot more to say about him. So I'm going to send it over to you and let you show because he he wrote the foreword to your book. And, and that's such an awesome thing. Congratulations with that, by the way. Yeah, I, I will tell you, you know, you, you talk about Inky, um, got to connect with him earlier yet. <laughs> A lot of times people ask, you know, Tom, in the work that you do, who's somebody that you look to? Who's somebody that you watch what they do that you learn from or that pushes your thinking? Inky Johnson is one of them. And Inky, if you hear this, I love you, my brother, because Inky is somebody that, and you told like one ounce, I would talk about like one ounce of his story. Um, he has faced adversity every step of the way in life. And in every step of the way, he stared adversity in the face and punched it in the nose and continue to go forward. He's the kind of person that has every reason in the world to put his hands up and be like, not fair, 
not fair, not doing it, not fair, but he's never done that. He continues to march forward and is such an inspiration for me because he challenges me. He challenges me to be a better educator, a better dad. And when, when we talked about doing the forward, sometimes people have asked before reading Personal and Authentic, it's surprising, Tom. And they don't, it's not a criticism or judgment, it's a logical question. Like, why would you ask a non-educator to write your forward to an education book? The answer is easy. You see, Inky will tell you that it was a teacher. It was his eighth grade math teacher and coach that saved his life. That ultimately down the road, walks his wife down the aisle at his wedding because every single day, Inky had to, to share just a, an inch of this, just to show the impact of, of educators. Inky was hanging out with, with uh, he was on the streets. He grew up on the South side of Atlanta. And and when when he was out there as this teenager, his his coaches, his teacher pulled up and saw, you know, he was, he was hanging out there. He wasn't doing anything wrong, but there were some folks out there that were not in the spot that Inky should be and told, he's like, Inky, get in the car. You, you're getting in the car. And he's kind of, you know, what? Like, why do I need to get in the car? Would you know it that he told Inky driving him home that day? Like, I am going to pick you up every single day for high school and you're going to come early because I'm going to make sure you're there because you got the world of potential. And it was a teacher that he talks about in the forward that truly saved his life that believed in him was one of the first males to tell you, I love you. And it was a teacher. It was a coach. And so one of the things that I would remind those people watching, it's so easy to lose your why, like we talked about. It's so easy to quickly judge and not see the stories. And it's so easy to lose sight of the impact that, that you get to have in a given day, especially in a pandemic when things are challenging and fear and anxiety are so high that you really are those folks. And one of the things that I will, I will remind you, like I, I really, I think about my little boy as a first grader. One of the things that I really believe, like even in first grade this year, my little boy will remember this school year for the rest of his life. 50 years from now, I guarantee my little boy can at least talk a little bit about, it might just be, we had to wear masks and we were home for part of it and in school for part of it. But you know what that means? Like if you're finishing out your school year in the next 10 weeks, 12 weeks, whatever it might be, you only have 10 or 12 weeks left to give an impression, to give an experience, to touch a child's life because they will remember this year for the rest of their lives, which also means... They're going to remember you in some way, in some fashion. And that's really that personal and authentic impact that you've had as teachers, as principals, when you've had to redo things 32 times, when you failed forward, when the technology didn't work, when you had to come up with different ways to meet kids in, in different spaces and whatever it might be, that's your impact. And so when we talk about the stories, part of it is be proud of your journey, celebrate how far you've come, be proud of the stories because you get to impact the lives the stories of every child that you get to connect with every day. And this year is going to be more than it. I would say truly any other. And you've got the opportunity to do that in the last number of weeks of the school year. And that is an awesome opportunity, right? To be able to do that. And, and how can we as educators, how can we make that spread as fast as it can? How can we get that to all of our students? That's the ultimate challenge to me. You know, that's the ultimate challenge for the school year and every school year. And I think that it, it was before and it is even more now. And, you know, and I think even more now because we're talking a lot about lost FaceTime. I don't believe in the whole idea of lost learning either. I don't, I, I don't believe in that statement because there's so many other things that have been gained, like you've already spoke about. And I totally agree with that statement. And it is our goal to continue to be personal and authentic 
with ourselves and with our students and with all those we serve, as well as it's our it's our goal to unlock the unlimited potential. So that comes to you, man. So the question I have to ask you is to finish my sentences, unlocking unlimited potential means. Unlocking unlimited potential means the work is not about you. It's about seeing the greatness in others and using your own story and your own vulnerability to unleash the potential that others have. I appreciate that. That is the mic drop moment right there. I love that. Nailed it, my brother. All right. <laughs> so listen, so Tom, what's next for you? I have no idea. I have no idea. <laughs> I every day have the opportunity to connect with amazing educators. And so I, I, I love the work that I do because no matter where I go, there's incredible people with amazing hearts for kids that are working tirelessly. And so I want to continue to support them in any way that I can, whether it's the federal level, at a classroom level, whatever it might be. And I'm just, I'm proud to work alongside folks like you every single day. I appreciate that. So we have your website there. How else can everybody else keep up with all the awesome happenings with Tom Murray. Yeah, so you got the website there. Off that, you can connect on Twitter at Thomas C. Murray, on Instagram, on Facebook at Thomas C. Murray EDU, on LinkedIn, pretty much any other spot there related to that. I would love to connect. Feel free to reach out. I try and practice what I preach about being personal and authentic if you reach out, but uh, feel free to reach out anytime. And Brandon, I appreciate the opportunity today. Thanks for the connection. No worries. And thank you for sharing all your insight. And for everybody out there, remember that the journey toward unlocking unlimited potential begins with us. Continue to educate with passion, everybody, and have an awesome day. This podcast is proud to be a part of the Codebreaker Podcast Network and also the entire family of disruptors at Codebreaker.